The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is December 27th, 2016. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Hope everyone had a great and safe Christmas. Bill, how was your Christmas? It was great, Gary, and we wish the same for all of our wonderful listeners around the world. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Now, uh, you didn't have any snow, did you? Uh, Not yet, uh, but, you know, it's that time of the year, so anything can happen, and real soon. I didn't have a white Christmas either. It was like 80 degrees. <laughs> always love rubbing that in a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> All right. And by the way, my co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also past Department Commander for the DAV State of Maryland. Good morning, sir. Good morning again to you, Gary, and it's always it's great to be with you. Well, I appreciate it. You know, last week we had another great show. Our guest was Bren Briggs, founder and executive director for the Eden Project. Their mission is to provide world-class community-based holistic care to the warrior and his or her support group. Their purpose is to meet and assist them in the ways they need. Currently, their focus is their own backyard. However, they will not turn down any warrior regardless of their physical location. This show is one you definitely don't want to miss. Be sure to listen to their archive show on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Now, animals are great, aren't they, Bill? Absolutely, and we're going to hear about them today on our show that we have. That's right. And you have a little news article about uh, equine therapy, too, right? Well, yes, I do, uh, Gary, and, and as you know, our emphasis has been uh, uh, being placed so much on uh, uh, the uh, situation here whereby we can provide ways of helping our veterans who suffer from post-traumatic stress and, uh, and, and impacting upon the suicide rate that's uh, really out of control. Now, this is about a, a lady. Her name is Tricia Rogers, and uh, she's uh, in a small place called Victoria Advocate, Texas. And she says that equine therapy saved her life. And uh, uh, it's, it's interesting with uh, what she is doing uh, with that in terms of uh, how it impacts her. She, uh, she said that uh, uh, in, the, in the past several months, the program has helped her get through challenges in her life, including transition to civilian life, 
and uh, she's involved in a program, and, and she says this program goes on on any particular day, even if it's cold, rainy, or even snow, as you just mentioned. Uh, again, she says it saved her life, and that's why she got into it. Uh, she had been dealing with emotional and physical uh, stress, injuries, and she was extremely angry. She had nightmares, she made, uh, which made her uh, not sleep well at night. And she said uh, she began wondering one day whether or not it was worth living, and I think that maybe suicide may have crossed her mind. So uh, she, he said she was at the point where she couldn't remember her grandchildren's name or walk without holding on to someone. But uh, she was introduced uh, to work with horses, and because of this and, and the therapies, it has turned her life around, and uh, she swears by it. She's uh, found that help from her horse, whose name is Monty, and that they work well on a day-to-day process in her healing. So, uh, yes, animals can provide us that assistance and, and help us to change our lives uh, if we're suffering with those conditions that could lead to uh, suicides. That's right. And some of the stories we hear are unbelievable. We might hear yeah, one from our guest. <laughs> All right. Well, Bill, you have the pleasure of introducing our guest today. And it is a pleasure indeed, Gary. Uh, Rick Young who is the founder and executive director of Warrior Canine Connection. Rick has served in the field of social work for 28 years. He was involved in animal-assisted therapy in his practice for the past 20 of those years. Rick holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from West Virginia University and a Master of Science degree in assistance dog education. Rick combined his social uh, work knowledge and experience with a service dog training background to develop a novel intervention to help service members with post-traumatic stress disorder. Rick pioneered the first therapeutic dog uh, training program at Palo Alto, California Veterans Hospital in July 2008. Rick's new program concept involving veterans with post-traumatic stress in the training of mobility service dogs for fellow veterans yielded very positive results. Rick has presented the program concept at forums including the uh, Veterans Affairs National Mental Health Conference and the International Society of Traumatic Stress Studies. Rick Young, welcome to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, Rick. Hey, thank you very much, Bill. Uh, good morning, Gary. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. appreciate the opportunity to tell you uh, about what we're doing. All right. Thanks for the invitation. No, no problem at all. Now, Rick, besides you know being in social work for so many years, what was the actually deciding factor in you starting uh, the Warrior Canine Connection? 
Well, the, the deciding factor uh, was really, uh, I don't know if a fluke is really accurate, but uh, it, it started uh, with a, a, a very caring, simple gift of a golden retriever puppy mm-hmm. uh, about 21 years ago, actually, uh, on Christmas uh, Christmas Eve, when uh, two very, very dear friends, one was Air Force veteran, other Marine veteran, uh, gifted me this eight-week-old golden retriever puppy. Uh, at the time, I was working with severely abused and neglected children, and their families uh, in specialized foster care. And uh, I was going through my own personal challenges with the divorce and, you know, trying to find a, a, a place to live and basically living on my buddy and his wife's couch uh, with the 103 fever you know, the flu for Christmas wow. on top of that. It wasn't the best Christmas I, I had experienced, but this uh, this puppy that uh, was handed to me, Merry Christmas, and, you know, you're not supposed to give gift puppies for Christmas, you know, that's not a good practice, but in this case, it worked out extremely well. Um, I was trying to then, you know, I've obviously found a place to, uh, to live renting a, a, a farmhouse. This is in West Virginia and, uh, trying to manage an eight week old puppy while you're working sometimes 12 hour days is a challenge. And, uh, every morning, you know, I would get ready to go to work and I would have all these toys and the food and the water and the blankets and the bed and, you know, it just was not good enough for this in the eyes of this puppy. And uh, we went from here's the bathroom to here's the kitchen. And finally, it's take the whole house, just quit looking at me like that. You're you know, throwing the guilt on me with that, that puppy dog eyes, literally. Um, one morning, it was probably within a couple months, this, this puppy had completely uh, suckered me into believing that, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that if I went to work that day and didn't take him, he was going to certainly die as a result. Uh, no. So off I went to work uh, to my office with this then probably four-month-old golden retriever puppy. Um, and that's where it really, really began. Um, as as uh, chance would have it, as soon as I arrived at work, and I, I really didn't have a plan. I was, oh, I parked in front of my window. It was a cool day. And I'd come out and take care of the puppy. No plan. And my phone rang in my office, and it was a child protective services worker. And we had a she had an eleven year old boy who was in a very bad situation um, was, uh, with his family. And I had to find a, a foster family, and it had to be now, and it had to be in another county because the situation was so bad. And uh, and off we went. She didn't have a car, so I had to drive. And I, I had a puppy in my car. Again, no plan. And as I arrived at this the home with this child protective services worker. And this 11-year-old boy who was going through extreme trauma because there's two strangers you know, coming to take him from everything he knew wow. and place him in, a, in another county he'd never been with a family he'd never met. And he saw it, just this heartbreaking saw his world just, just coming to an end in his perspective. And about a mile down the road, uh, this, this heartbreaking sobbing just dissipated. And when I looked in my rearview mirror, what I saw was this four-month-old golden retriever puppy with his head in this little boy's lap with his hand on the, on the puppy's head. And that was how I realized the healing power of the human-animal bond um, and, and how these dogs could be used to really um, you know, make the trauma um, less and, and make the situation a little bit more bearable, as painful as it was. Uh, so that's how I fell into animal-assisted therapy uh, coming up on 21 years ago. That's a while. 
All right. Now, during during uh, when uh, uh, Bill was introducing you, uh, it, he mentioned that you were more or less you pioneered the first therapeutic dog service. Is that in all of California? Yeah, I, I uh, came up with this idea, um, and there were a few things that happened in between. Just so you get a, uh, an understanding of how this this uh, developed, uh, I was. That puppy obviously grew up, and I had him trained. Um, well, he trained me more than I trained him, to be honest. I <laughs> uh, learned not to micromanage him. But he became a, a certified therapy dog, and I started taking him to work daily. And it's all kinds of different applications, from meeting an adoptive family the first time or taking him to courtrooms when kids had to testify. Um, and uh, so I was doing that for about four or five years uh, as a, you know, with a therapy dog. And I stumbled across this program where they were working with teens who were very high risk, sometimes incarcerated, and they were teaching them how to train mobility service dogs for people in the community. They had dogs that pull wheelchairs and turn on lights and get things out of your refrigerator. And when I saw what was happening and what those teens were learning from, you know, learning how to train these, these dogs, it really struck me um, that what they were actually doing besides building self-esteem, which is important, I guess. But they were actually, in my, in my view, they were teaching those teens that had been identified as high risk how to be parents. And they were teaching them to do that experientially. Now, how does training a dog, a service dog, and parenting, how does that connect, right? Well, the foundation of effective parenting, in my, in my experience, and, and the foundation of training service dogs requires a strong relationship and attachment. You have to you know, have, have this relationship with the dog or obviously a child to have an impact. You have to be consistent. No means no all the time. Yes means yes. This, this word means this. That's true of parenting. It's true of service dog training. You had to regulate your emotions in both cases. You know, when, when this, this dog is acting like he's deaf and pretending you know, he doesn't know what sit means, to challenge you, you can't let this dog shape your emotional state, you have to, you know, be strong and, and be in flat, you know, you can't, uh, you can't waver. And most importantly, when they're teaching these teams how to train these dogs, they were teaching these teams how to use praise to, to reinforce the behaviors of the dogs. They were teaching right. how to use positive emotion to sound happy for the sake of training the dog. And that was one of the greatest challenges, even for specialized foster parents, to catch the kid doing something right and actually give sincere praise and, and acknowledge that they did the right thing rather than focusing on the things that they were doing wrong. So that's, uh, you know, it really drew me into service dog training. It was a, a way to break that cycle of abuse in, in teens and, uh, and teach them how to be parents before they had children was my, was my goal. So I, I started a program in Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, working with high-risk teens in the county schools, and several of the dogs that those teams helped to train successfully ended up being placed with disabled vets. And that's where the transition um, and my awareness of, you know, the, the VA legislation that was, you know, we're trying to get service dogs available for veterans and there weren't enough dogs available. And sometimes they were waiting three to four years to, to receive a well-trained service dog. And, it was right around 2005, um, end of 2005, and, you know, post-traumatic stress was being talked about quite a bit. You know, Fallujah just happened. It was just a very, very 
uh, a very bloody time in Iraq. And again, that flash of an idea, right? Um, I thought, who better to train service dogs for veterans than fellow veterans? And knowing what I knew about what went into training the dogs and what you could learn, I started focusing on symptoms of post-traumatic stress, especially combat-related post-traumatic stress. And every symptom that I uh, looked at, I could come up with a really a clear way of using the training of the service dogs as a way to help, you know, address that symptom. Uh, so this was my master's project uh, that I put this together, and I started talking to people about it. I was talking to uh, Rockwell vets that were coming back and saying, hey, what do you think of this idea? And I was encouraged uh, to pursue this. And in 2008, I had the chance to pilot this, uh, what's considered the flagship PTSD uh, treatment programs within the VA system in Menlo Park, California, at the Trauma Recovery Program, which is part of the Palo Alto VA hospital uh, system. So it, it was, you know, it, immediately uh, upon starting this program, uh, it was clear that I was on to something. Uh, when I arrived at this, again, a, a 60 to 90-day inpatient treatment program at the VA, where there's a mixture of... Vietnam vets and active duty service members, a lot of a lot of Marines from Camp Pendleton were there and, and other and elsewhere. And when I started this program, there was um, one Marine sergeant who was um, really not responding to any of the treatment. He wouldn't even talk to any other veterans. He wouldn't even talk to fellow Marines. And we just sit in the corner daily in this in this treatment room and just dark sunglasses on and just angry and, and, and shaking. And, uh, obviously that wasn't working that, you know, you have to engage in treatment, right? You can't just, you know, you have to talk to people or you're going to, you know, participate in some therapy, but he wouldn't, uh, they, they were kind of at a loss. What are we going to do with this? This brain, we tried several different medications. We have this, you know, this protocol and, and other means even Vietnam, his brothers and sisters from Vietnam, what are we going to do with him? And uh, I arranged to sit in the, in the seat next to where, in the corner seat where he would sit every day. And I got there early. And I had with me an eight-month-old golden retriever. And uh, not just an eight-month-old golden retriever, I'm talking about the most beautiful golden retriever you can imagine and one of the most socialized golden retrievers you can imagine. So this dog was that golden that wants to crawl inside your skin and just loves humans more than anything. Well, what happens when this ring sergeant sits down next to me in this corner seat? But, you know, I know better than to try and talk to him. Why would he talk to me? But what's the golden retriever do? Of course, the golden comes over and says, pet me, starts nudging him on his leg. And he turned to the other side because he was trying to just resist any engagement or any relationship with anybody or anything. And what does this golden retriever do? It just comes over the other side and nudges him on his right leg. And this went back and forth three or four times. This dog isn't taking no for an answer. And finally, this golden just climbs up in his lap very carefully and gives him one of the sweetest golden retriever kisses on the cheek you can imagine. And that's when I saw just a, a crack of a smile from this Marine. And that's when I engaged him and said, oh, gee, I'm not sure if you know why I have these dogs here at the VA, but there's a lot of vets coming back that 
need their wheelchairs pulled and you know, a lot of guys coming back with multiple amputees and spinal cord injuries and they don't have these dogs available, I could sure use some help in training these dogs and this dog's reaching out to you. I think he's you know, he's drawn to you. I could use your help if you'd consider it. Here's an application. Now, I didn't wait for an answer because I knew better, but he did take the application. Now, the next morning that I walked into the VA, the, the one uh, therapist comes in and she's she's having a party. You know, she's so excited and she has an application that he had filled out and put under her door that the night before. And and we started that day. I had I had three actually three Marines that were all active duty. One happened to be a drill instructor, and again, severe, very severe post-traumatic stress. And uh, here I am, the social worker with these three golden retrievers that I need to train a service dog, and I need their help. And I explain, you know, here's what we're going to do. Now, first thing you're going to do is just pet the dog for about 10 minutes. Just let them hear your voice, get to build a little bit of a bond with them. Okay, so let's do that. Let's just sit down here and just get to know these dogs a little bit. Now, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to practice a very basic command. We're going to use the word down. Everybody knows what down means. Now, when you say the command, you have to, you can't be passive. You can't suggest that they do it down because it won't mean anything to the dog. You can't be passive. You can't be aggressive either. You can't yell at the dog because these are very soft golden retrievers. So you have to learn how to use an assertive voice when you're giving a dog a command. And in this case, when you say down, I want you to sound as much as you can like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Down. Well, they can do that, of course. But before they said the command, I, I said, no, wait. You have to be ready because as soon as you give it an assertive tone and command, you have to wait. As soon as that dog's belly touches the ground, you have to be ready. And you have to mark that behavior. And when you do that, you have to have a praise voice. And rather than sounding like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I need you to sound as close as you can to Richard Simmons. Right? And I demonstrated this very high-pitched yes, marker word. Well, you can imagine, here's three very combat-hardened Marines with severe emotional learning, severe post-traumatic stress, severe isolation. I mean, they, these are guys who are at the, at the end of the rope. And the one drill instructor did the timeout sign, and he said, Rick, hold on. He said, did they tell you that we have post-traumatic stress? We're emotionally numb. We don't sound like Richard Simmons. Mm -hmm. I grew up in western Pennsylvania. Guys don't sound like that. It was the hardest thing in the world for me to get that praise voice. But I I, I knew what I was asking and how much of a stretch it was. And I was ready for the question. And my answer to this Marine was, look, I'm not saying that you have to be happy. But I am telling you, without blowing any smoke, to train this dog effectively, to pull me a chair and to help out a fellow vet or maybe a fellow Marine, you're going to have to pretend to sound happy for the sake of praising the dog and training the dog and reinforcing the behaviors that this dog has to learn. He wasn't going to say no to that. He would have crawled through, any of those Marines would have crawled through broken glass and fire, and many of them did to help take care of one of their buddies, one of their battle buddies. So I just gave him a mission-based reason to pretend to sound happy. Sometimes we call it fake it until you make it, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And, and it worked. 
That's great. That is wonderful. You know, it's the things that you can train these dogs to do. You know, we had uh, this about a year ago. We had one on the air, not the not the dog itself, but the trainer. Um, and the dog, if it was, if that veteran was non-responsive, uh, that dog could dial nine one one. I don't know what he'd say, sure. but <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of yeah. that's a, that was just unreal. Um, and you have up to. 60 veterans training one dog that that blows me away how does how does a dog how does how does a dog understand because each each person is going to be different as far as their training procedure well somewhat but that that was my job was to make sure that every everyone was consistent in how they were training the dogs um you need the consistency so it's not just here we're handing this dog off to a new vet, but, you know, we're guiding them and supervising this so that they they know, uh, you know, what the commands are, what are the words, what, the, what to expect, what does the dog know, you know. Um, and it takes two, at least two years, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but on average two years, to train one of these dogs. And we, what I found is that, you know, it's not just one dog given to one vet, but over that two years to train the dog, yeah, we've had even more than 60 service members or veterans participating substantially, not just pet the dog, but actually substantially participating in, in the training of that dog. And what we found is that these dogs, if you do it right, that these dogs become so solid because they've had, you know, lots of different people... And the rules are the same. You know, everybody's consistent. And then the dog, to me, it, 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 the end product is even more uh, uh, more easily placed with that final veteran because this is, you know, this is what I do. All right. Well, I know it's getting real close to our break, so what we're going to do is take it just a minute or two early. And, Bill, I know that you have questions when we come back. So you're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. 
That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Rick, founder and executive director for the Warrior Canine Connection. And, Bill, I know you have a couple questions. Well, yes, Gary. And, Rick, I would imagine, just like uh, people, to be successful in our lives on a daily basis, there's certain things we have to do. And I, 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 I can just imagine that applies to, uh, to the dogs that uh, uh, we train to be uh, partners for our veterans. And one of the thing comes, uh, things that comes to my mind is uh, the nutrition uh, of, of the dogs that, that you deal with, uh, their source of food, uh, uh, how do you go about selecting that, and whether or not uh, you have a veterinarian on site to help with any issues or ailments that may come up with the dog on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, Bill, that's, that's a great question because, you know, the dogs and, and it's the, one of the key variables uh, for our ability to, to, to help veterans. And you know, we need dogs with really great temperament, but they have to be the most healthy dogs, and we want them to live as long as, as possible. Uh, so nutrition is, is critical, and, and we're blessed to have uh, one amazingly healthy, great, nutritious dog food donated by Solid Gold, which... Uh, at the very top of the line, uh, a great food for your dog. Uh, for veterinary care, you're right, service dogs, you know, the, the, we have our own breeding program. So we, we uh, again, are blessed with some amazingly caring veterinarians at uh, the, uh, the Sandy Spring uh, Veterinary Clinic. Um, Dr. Joey Gregory, who's a, a reproduction uh, specialist, you know, she'll come out when we have uh, our, our whelping, when the when the mother's delivering the puppies, and we'll be there at 2 a.m. sometimes to sit for, for hours at a time with our dog program director to make sure that these puppies are getting the right start. And, uh, yeah, nutrition and vet care is, is critical to the success of that program. Well, you know, Rick, I've even heard uh, uh, the discussion that there's uh – uh, various kinds of diets, but one particular that got my attention that there is, uh, I think right in Pennsylvania there, that there's a, uh, an, a group that pr- prepares uh, uh, what is called gourmet dog food. Are you familiar with that? Ah. Uh, we have, like I said, we, we work with, uh, we use solid gold. They provide all of our food. Um, so that's that's where we uh, what we feed all of it. That's just solid gold. Well, that's great. You know the other the other thought came to mind in 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 in, the, in an operation such as this. Just like everything else, uh, what if any kind of regulation or in, inspections uh, are you uh, uh, subjected to? And if you are. You know, by the local or uh, uh, state authorities. Tell us what that that that's about. If that takes place, and so we we are accredited by it's called the Assistance Dogs International, which is uh, an organization that um, really provides oversight and uh, accreditation for service dog organizations. So we uh, meet uh, exceed all of their requirements for running a nonprofit um, for training service dogs. Of course, 
we also uh, bring our dogs on base at Fort Belleville and Walter Reed, so we have to uh, you know make sure so we abide by all the regulations. Um, obviously, we, we need dogs that again have very very sound temperament and have been extremely well social, socialized, and obviously have all of their their um, tick protection and you know all, all of their vaccinations are up to date, and uh, you know all our eyes are are dotted and T's are crossed. So, Rick, you know, I'm thinking that uh, when, uh, when, uh, with these dogs, that you probably, uh, in many cases, have situations where a dog is assigned with a veteran who it, it, it may just be uh, the two of them, the dog and the veteran, and uh, also maybe dogs with a veteran and a veteran who has a family. Are there any challenges or special kinds of concerns uh, that you deal with in prepping uh, uh, the dog and the veteran uh, in, for these two uh, different types of lifestyles that they might have? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely uh, critical that, you know, everybody's on board. You know, families on board that understand understand what they're getting into. This is a uh, you know just getting a wheelchair. This is a living being that uh, you're going to have responsibility. It's going to become part of your family. So having everyone's buy-in and, and everybody you know eyes wide open what they're what they can expect. It's it's also critical that you respect that these dogs are all individuals. They all have their own personalities. Right. You know, and, and it's not just first come first serve. You're on the waiting list, and you're next to get a dog, and here's the next dog available. That wouldn't work out very well. You know, people talk about you know e harmony. You know, the the, the you know, dating things online. I, I often joke and say, you know, we use dharmony.com. You know, it's it's do your profiles match. You know, and, and the dogs have a say in this, and and you know, if if they fall in love with that veteran. In some cases, that's better in the family. It's going to work. If if it's not the right match, they don't fall in love. It's not going to. It's not going to, you know, be as as successful. So that's that's a really important. That's the art of doing what we do is is knowing when that match is there and knowing when it's not. And I and I suspect that uh, uh, that's what you're describing. Is about the the bond that's created with the with the dog and the veteran, whether they're with or without a family, and how how important that is that uh, uh, they understand each other's temperament and, and and to deal with it. Absolutely, and uh, what we found is that uh, we found ways to really help not just the veteran but their entire family. We actually started placing a, a dog. We call it a military family support dog. Now, what does that mean? How is that different from a, a, a traditional service dog? And we know that many of our service members that are coming back, you know, that their families are, are dealing with the same, you know, issues. That, that you know, I, you know, I've had uh, service members that come back and they said, "I just can't," you know, I'm just not the same father I was pre-deployment. You know, I just, you know, I don't just yell at my kids. I'm just impatient. You know, I'm not sleeping. I'm not, you know, I just isolate, and, and it's not working. And I've been to three different therapists, and it's not, it's not helping. And uh, so what, what we've done is 
is realize that you know that our service members they go through a lot of training before they're sent downrange, and a lot of that training is really aimed at, at helping them be reactive because they need to be reactive in a war zone, and it's also aimed sometimes at helping them you know perform if they have to perform without emotions interfering with you know, performance of duties because that could be very dangerous. So you know, coming back trained as as war fighters. And bringing that training back, which is being reactive and somewhat emotionally numb, and you know, it's it's doesn't make sense that we could put all of that training, that experiential, wonderful training that our, our military uh, provides to, to help our you know our service members survive, and expect them to come back trained as warfighters and jump right back into being the same loving, patient mom or dad they were without some retraining. So we address it that way. We say, hey, you're trained really well. Now to, to receive this dog that you're interested in receiving, you're going to have to go see, through some of our training, which is going to be experiential but much different. Because rather than being reactive, you're going to have to practice so much patience because you're going to, this dog that we bred to be low aroused, meaning we don't want dogs that kind of come from Newark, New Jersey. Sorry, people from Newark, but. We want the Mississippi porch-sitting, laid-back dogs. That's what we breed for. So when you give them that command, rather than getting upset because they didn't sit within a second, you got to sit back and let them ponder it for a few seconds at least because these dogs process things a little bit slower. They get a little forest gump in them, right? So we're experientially training our, our service members to be patient. With a learned patients, you have to practice it. And rather than being emotionally numb, again, when that dog responds to their name and they look at you, you, you got to at least pretend to sound happy so that yeah. the dog knows that he did the right thing. So we're right. using the training of the dogs to really help retrain our warriors to go back from trained warfighter back to loving, patient parent. And we teach the dogs to respond to different stress cues. So if dad is his legs bouncing for when he's when he's his anxiety's up and maybe he's pacing or putting his head in his hands, we can train the dog to respond to that. To come over and lay their head on his his knee or come over and bump his hands away from his face or, or stand in front of he's pacing. We also can train the dogs to respond to the anxiety and stress cues that the family, the mom has or the kids have. You know, mm-hmm. It's really hard to throw a fit when the dog is licking you in the face and you're on the floor. You know, and, and we can train the dogs to do that. So what we found is that we can, you know, have the dog really become quite a, a tool for, for healing for entire families. And not just it's not just giving them the dog; it's giving them the tools to to relate with the dog and train the dog. And again, it's 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 a, it's a, it's an experiential training, but it's much different, almost opposite of what they were trained to do to go, you know, in the theater. Well, that makes sense. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, you, everybody heard me just before we do that. I just want to mention about the Veteran Suicide Prevention Channel. They're appealing directly to the general public with this call to action. Donate $22 or any amount you can today campaign. With help from those special people who care, the future Veterans Broadcast Studio can become a reality. Go to the VSPchannel.com to learn more and donate today. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Rick, founder and executive director for the Warrior Canine Connection. And Bill? Yes, uh, Rick. So uh, what are some of the special areas that are involved in the program that uh, that you can enlighten us uh, a little bit more about that, uh, uh, in, in this process? Well, I guess on a few of the ways that uh, we've been using the training of service dogs to, to help our veterans recover and transition, um, one of the things that we discovered um, at the uh, at the VA is with, with service members that, that aren't sleeping and and they're really struggling to get a good night's sleep. Even you know, medications are still some are fighting through the medication because the anxiety, the night terrors, nightmares. And we started uh, having the dog stay overnight, actually in the veteran in the bed in, in the hospital. And what we saw in many cases was just a tremendous improvement in sleep. I'm talking about going from zero sleep to six hours of sleep in some cases. And the only thing different is having this sweet golden retriever using you as a pillow, right? Um, we also learned that for isolation issues, for, for veterans that won't go out in public because they don't want to have all these ridiculous questions asked, and they'd rather go to Walmart two o'clock in the morning because you know it'll be around other people because it's it feels dangerous. Lots of different reasons why not to do that. Well, part of training a mobility service dog is that the dogs have to be taken out in public, and we have to teach the dogs that hey, the world is a safe place. And when the dumpster door slams, rather than pulling that veteran in the wheelchair down the road out in the traffic because you're you're in fear, 
you know, the, the trainer's job is to give that dog a treat and they hear that noise and make light of it and tell them, hey, it's a great thing. So that we were able to get veterans who, you know, that's what they're saying is not a good thing. It was connected, you know, it could be an IED. And rather than jumping to that conclusion in their thoughts, now their job with this gold retriever on a four-foot leash is to teach this, this dog that the world's a safe place so that they can be a functioning service dog. And so we were able to get those owners to challenge those automatic thoughts in the very second. And, you know, another thing is isolation. You know, when you take one of these beautiful dogs out in public, and that's what you have to do to train them, good luck isolating. Because the dog is such what I call the social lubricant. You know, it's just, they just draw people to you. And we'd have veterans that would come back to the hospital after being a, an hour, you know, a field trip, saying, I can't believe I just talked to 30 civilians. It wasn't that bad. You know, they, all, they wanted to talk to me about the, the dog and you know, show me pictures of their dogs. They didn't ask me what I did overseas. So it's, the dog is a buffer and a social lubricant, and it creates this natural reason to interact with civilians in a very benign way. Um, so, yeah, we, we really started you know, finding lots of different ways to how we could use the training of the dogs on multiple levels for multiple symptoms. Wow. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say that that has actually led to uh, interest in researching what we're doing. Um, We have um, received a lot of interest from our defense and wanting to study the efficacy of what we're doing, uh, especially at Walter Reed, uh, the National Intrepid Center of Excellence, and, and also at Fort Belvoir. So, we're working with researchers at the uh, Uniform Services University and Medical School at Walter Reed to study all of these different ways that we've, you know, these clinical observations that we've seen today from sleep to uh, isolation to even looking at how our program uh, can affect, you know, ability to parent your children. Uh, and the University of Maryland's also involved in that, in that uh, effort. So it's... Uh, you know, this, we're finally getting these incredible researchers and, and these scientific minds uh, to help us look at, um, you know, studying the impact of our program, including even looking at changes in your own body chemistry, which is fascinating to me. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen this work for the last 21 years, right? Well, now... There's science out there. There have been many research projects and studies around the world that are very credible that show when you're interacting with this dog in a very positive way, obviously you have to like dogs, but it actually releases this hormone called oxytocin. And the more we learn about this hormone that's released naturally from your interaction with the dog, well, it's actually an anti-stress hormone that is making you feel calmer because you are calmer. Your stress hormones are balanced out by this oxytocin hormone. So I, I was joking, so we finally have uh, the technology to prove what we've known for 30,000 years, that dogs are good for us. Now, Rick, why don't you tell us about the future plans for the organization? So we, we realize that we're on to something and we have a way to really uh, impact in a very positive way uh, to help veterans transition and heal using this non-pharmaceutical um, approach of the training of service dogs. So we need to get this out there to serve more veterans. 
you know, we've, we've worked with close to 4,000 veterans to date. But that's only scratching the surface. We know this is a, uh, uh, there's hundreds of thousands of vets out there that, that really could use this intervention. So our, our uh, focus now is how we scale this up. You know, we need to breed more dogs. We need to train more dogs. We have to have more trainers to train the dogs to work at these different sites. So we're uh, actually working with the state of Maryland, Department of Natural Resources, who have uh, partnered up with us, gives a long-term lease for a property not far from Walter Reed. It's in a state park. And actually, it's in a, an old dairy farm. Our job now is to renovate this dairy farm to allow us to have the space to then breed and train the dogs, but also to bring in veterans who want to uh, make a career and, and, and learn how to train our dogs and, and implement our, our program, our called Mission-Based Trauma Recovery Program, so that we can scale this up and have uh, have sites around the country. Our goal is to have, within 10 years, to have 25 sites uh, around the country, including at military uh, and VA hospitals. All right. Now, we, we understand, especially your organization has training sites from the East Coast to the West Coast. Everything uh, relies on uh, your volunteers, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, World Canine Connection, it's a non-profit, it's a 501c3 non-profit, and uh, it really truly does take a village to do what we do. Um, volunteers play a, a pivotal role in, in, in the success of our programming, uh, you know, from coming out and helping to socialize, we call them puppy petters, right? Socializing these young puppies to, to teach them that the world's a safe place and to love and trust and connect with humans and they start doing that at weeks of age. But we also have these angel earth that we call puppy parents, or some call them uh, puppy raisers. They take these pups in about 12 weeks old after going through training, and they take these pups for up to two years. And when this dog is finally matured, and it's just this amazing dog, and they give the dog up, you know, which is, you know, it, it's such a gift of the heart that they are sacrificing. Obviously, they compare the sacrifice that our service members are making for our country, but it is a sacrifice. And they are really just amazing humans because they give this piece of their heart back uh, that they've, um, this dog they've fallen in love with for the sake of uh, a veteran who needs them. All right. Now, um what is your URL, and uh, if I wanted to become a volunteer, how do I go about it? Sure. If you want to uh, volunteer, find out more about getting involved with Warrior Canine Connection, go to www.warriorcanineconnection.org. All right. Now, we only do have a couple minutes left, Rick, and it was a pleasure having you on our show today. What would you like to share with our listeners in closing? Yeah, I'd like to share that, hey, you know, there's a common sense, non-pharmaceutical way of helping many, many of our veterans and their families. So this isn't for everybody. You you have to like dogs, right? Uh, Right. You know, if you're allergic uh, or afraid of dogs, eh, it might present a problem. And, you know, there are, I got to, in full disclosure, there there are two side effects of this intervention. There is some drool on occasion, and sometimes there's a little bit of dog fur. Right? But mm-hmm. I'll take those. I'll take those side effects any day. 
to see the powerful impact. You know, this isn't just pet the dog and feel better. This is get involved in this very difficult process of training this dog. You know, get out into your community because that's what's required to train the dog. Connect with civilians and, and transition successfully. Learn how to go from train warfighter back to loving patient parent through retraining that's experiential. You know, it's, it's sleep for, for maybe the first night, you know, in a long time. And, you know, sleep is critically important. You know, restorative sleep, they call it that for a reason. You can't heal if you're not sleeping. And uh, medications, although there's a role for them, they're not, uh, they're not the only answer. Right. And I guess the last thing I'd like to leave is it really does take a village and, uh, you know, anybody would like to get involved, we, we welcome your involvement and support. And uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us, but you know, it's, it's truly an honor to do what we do. Uh, as a social worker, nearly 30 years, I, f- I can say that this works. And I can also say that not everything works. All right. Well, Tess, it seems like you're going in the right direction. Good luck on all your future plans. And uh, Bill? Thank you. Well, Rick, uh, I want to thank you very much for being with us today. And I, I, I think uh, the, uh, the this program that you're involved in is so important to our returning men and women as they come back to home and community. As a matter of fact, I, I think in a lot of cases, uh, 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 having a service dog uh, in many cases is so important to uh, to help our men and women as they reintegrate back to home and community after being on the battlefield and in combat. And, uh, you know, it's uh, all of the information that I'm hearing out there that this is ha- having a, a, a very positive impact in making that transition. So uh, uh, Warrior Canine Connection is, is to be con- commended for the uh, outstanding job that you're doing. Yes, definitely. definitely. Thank you, Bill. And, and also thank you for your service. And uh, I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and, and wonderful holiday and, and Happy New Year to, to come. Thank you. Thank you, Well, uh, another year is coming to a close. I want to wish everyone a safe holiday, a prosperous New Year's, and be careful out there. There's a lot of crazy people out there. <laughs> The, the American Heroes Network spotlights and promotes the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, and thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of men.